I want to get into some levity here in a little bit, but first I, I got to go ahead and I got to start the show off, obviously, with my uh, my thoughts with the uh, with Kansas City. As I know, Jake has been saying in his updates um, throughout the day. Obviously, the the Chiefs celebrating the their championship, their Super Bowl, their Super Bowl win, and then obviously the shooting that went on today in Kansas City, just unnecessary. The fact that three people were taken into custody, a lot of people that are injured at the moment. I know I've seen plenty of numbers that have been going around. I'm not even going to begin to speculate on any of that. Um, but, again, just my heart goes out to the people in Kansas City. Again, keeping you in my thoughts and prayers, uh, of course, and have been thinking about you guys throughout the day. And, of course, we'll get into you know a lot of great stuff that we have going on. But, again, like I said, my thoughts are with you out in Kansas City. But, like I said, to really dive in to to a little bit of the fun here, I know Nick and Keith were kind of getting into it a little bit. As soon as, I, as soon as I was asked to fill in here tonight for JP, and of course you guys can always listen to JP, Overtime, 7 to Midnight, Monday through Friday, you guys can always check it out, of course, and I know he's been doing a great job on the morning show. And speaking of, you know, I know Lima has been, has been out, obviously, on paternity leave, and you know, Lima, Lima called in this morning and it sparked this debate between Nick and Nick and Keith. And I want to play the original thought from Lima this morning on Kyle Shanahan and where he kind of ranks in terms of a quarterback and coach type draft. Any other quarterback, had they been going up against Lamar Jackson, had they been going up against any other quarterback in the AFC, is Kyle Shanahan not the Super Bowl champ today? Furthermore, I'll get really crazy. If there were a draft tomorrow in the NFL, you get to pick coaches, front office members, football players. Here is my order. Patrick Mahomes is going number one, right? We yeah. all agree. Okay. Yeah. Is yeah. taking anybody else? No. Yes. Number two, I mean, I might take Joe Burrow. You might take what? Josh Allen. Some might take Lamar. I, I don't know how you could do that with without postseason. What about C.J. Stroud? I mean, fine. That's fine. He's won a playoff game. Okay. 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 Continue. I'm taking Kyle Shanahan and his hand-picked GM next. I am taking him very next in that draft. That's how much I believe in a coach who has been able to take Jimmy Garoppolo to the Super Bowl so and you're have taking, him in the fourth quarter with a chance to win. You're, you're, and then Brock Purdy, the last player drafted, who has obvious limitations. I'm sorry. I, I disagree with you. I completely disagree with you. Because, and we pulled up the, the list of starting quarterbacks that were out there. I know the 33rd team put out their quarterback power rankings. But if we were to have a quarterback and head coach draft, where you can go ahead and pick one, you can pick any player if you want. Mahomes obviously is going number one. I know Nick was a bit out there when he said 14 quarterbacks he would go ahead and take. And that's a, that's a little bit rich for my blood. And the argument that he was trying to make in that was that the potential of somebody like a Anthony Richardson or a Justin Fields, you know, that could tempt you enough to go ahead and take them. Bryce Young, another player that was taken number one overall just last year. I'm not going 14. I'm not saying half the league, almost half the league starting quarterbacks are going to go ahead and take over, you know, somebody is somebody to be your head coach. I don't I don't I wouldn't go that far. Because I feel like the the issue that I have with that is at a certain point, some of these players, you talk about potential. And again, I love Justin Fields. I, I've talked about Justin Fields on the air here before. But I look at somebody like a Justin Fields 
And look at what happened in Chicago. This guy is very talented. And again, he's taken it's taken him a couple of years, a few years, in order to really make that progress. And finally, they got him a weapon this year in DJ Moore. Imagine how that works. All of a sudden, he can throw the ball. But the reason why he hasn't reached some of that potential is because you have a revolving door of offensive coordinators that aren't worth crap. It comes down to the coaching staff that you have around you. Matt Nagy, congratulations, you won another Super Bowl. It wasn't it wasn't because of you. Matt Eberflus is barely sitting on the seat. It is so hot right now. Yet at the same time, you have to have a coach that's able to bring out the potential that you have in these quarterbacks. It's the same reason why, you know, I know they had mentioned Jordan Love as a play. No, absolutely no. And I think Jordan Love is a very talented guy. But it's taken somebody and Matt LaFleur even to bring that out of him. And even then, it took him four years as a backup to go ahead and even get into that conversation. So for me, and I know Nick had nine or Nick had fourteen. Sorry, Nick had fourteen. I want to make sure I get these right because I know he'll come at me just like he went after every everybody else today. But I have nine quarterbacks that I would take before the first head coach. I'll go through them. Obviously, Pat Mahomes in a league of his own. Lamar Jackson, I would take. I would take Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. C.J. Stroud, Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow. Again, a lot of these guys younger. It's understandable. Jalen Hurts, I feel like, is it a forgotten man because of all of the drama in Philadelphia from this past year. The one that I think is a little bit controversial, I would take Matthew Stafford. I know Keith had said Jordan Love. Um, I, I mean, I know Nick said Justin Fields, and again, I love Justin Fields. I need the right I need the right coach and system around fields and the right support system in that. I'm I'm not saying offensive system. I'm saying support system around him in order to go ahead and take that and maximize Justin Fields because we haven't seen it to this point. We haven't seen it to this point because Chicago is an inept franchise. Again, when you look at the if you look at a team's Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks. You can see how a team, I, I look at that and see, you know, that might be a, a bear of success, a way that you see that a, a path for success for a team. And when Jim McMahon has been on that team, has been the best quarterback for the Chicago Bears since the 1980s, and the closest that we've gotten to it is Jay Cutler, Kyle Orton. They don't know how to, they don't know how to manage a quarterback. They don't know what to do. So, of course, Justin Fields isn't going to play well. They don't know how to handle success. Jim Harbaugh might be up there. So you have to have the right support system around them. And so that's where I look at some of these players and the way that they've been able to overcome some of their flaws in the past, some of their the lack of support, the exact opposite problem of Brock Purdy in the Super Bowl. Because, again, it really helps you. I mean, I, I know he's Mr. Irrelevant, but it really helps when you have the best running back in the game, one of the most under um, underappreciated wide receivers in Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, another dynamic playmaker, George Kittle, one of the best tight ends in the league. I can go on and on. But it's the reason why I look at those nine quarterbacks as players that can overcome adversity, 
and at least put you in a position to win. The two that I put on the fringe as guys that have a lot of potential, but I wouldn't take over the coach because I need that support system around them, is Anthony Richardson and Justin Fields. I already mentioned Justin Fields, the way he's able to run, his dynamic ability as a playmaker to succeed, I think brings him to another level, and it's the reason why when I hear you know, Adam Schefter mention him potentially as a trade target for the Steelers, I get a little bit worried about that. I don't like that. I don't like Justin Fields. I, I like Justin Fields with a competent franchise. I'd prefer that franchise not to be in, in the AFC North. That's just me. But... I think that Justin Fields, with the right support system around him, I think he can be somebody that really succeeds, and it's the whole reason why I I think it's him out of Chicago and honestly why I think Chicago would be better off if they maybe traded back a little bit, got some more picks, but that's just me. Anthony Richardson is one that I think is going to be interesting in Indianapolis next year because you have, you have his top receiver and Michael Pittman Jr. hitting the free agent market. You know, you have other players around him and, you know, other wide receivers that they have that they've really done a good job building up that support system. You obviously already have Jonathan Taylor locked down. And that defense is slowly coming along. I think that with Steve Steichen, the head coach in Indy, I think that 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 is a player that's on the rise. And in seeing Richardson and in seeing Fields, they have the potential. I know you want potential from a head coach, or you want potential from your quarterback. But unless you have the right the right coaches around him, you're not going to be able to maximize that potential. And especially if I can't get one of those top quarterbacks, and I have to wait. That entire time, if we're talking about this hypothetical quarterback draft, quarterback head coach draft, I have to wait that entire time to get to that head coach that I might want. Yeah, give me the top head coach at that point. Go ahead and give me a Mike Tomlin. Give me somebody like Sean McVay. If I, if you're telling me you can give me Sean McVay and I can pair him up with, I'm not necessarily saying Justin Fields would last of the second round, but I mean, even somebody like Baker. You know, seeing some of those guys and seeing how these how these different coaches are able to take advantage of these uh, of the quarterback's talents, I think that's more valuable to me than having somebody who has a potential, but I might have to take a lesser coach in order to try to maximize that player's potential. And I think that's something that also, as you know, we get closer and closer to draft time, I think that's something that gets overlooked quite a bit, and that's a that's an aspect that gets overlooked. So again. And I know the I know the poll is out on on Afternoon Drive's Twitter account at Afternoon Nine Two Three Fan. You guys can go ahead and check it out on there. I say nine. I say nine quarterbacks I would take before the first head coach. And I said Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, C.J. Stroud, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, and Matthew Stafford. I know I just ran through a cavalcade of quarterbacks for you, but again, that's where I feel comfortable. How many quarterbacks would you rather have? Would you take before the first head coach? You guys can tweet at me at Mac Robinson ninety five. Number to call in two one six four seven four double o ninety two. 
Coming up next here on 92.3 The Fan. The tide is turning. You can feel it coming. You can feel the the sway in the in the NFL to the point where perception is reality. 92.3 The Fan. I said nine. I know Nick had put out 14, which I disagree with. I, I mean, he included Bryce Young, which... Again, I know he went number one overall last year, but no. I think you need to be this this high in order to get drafted before a head coach. Um, but, again, I gave my nine real quick just to run through it. Mahomes, Jackson, Allen, Herbert, Stafford, Stroud, Lawrence, Burrow, and Hurts were my nine. But I want to hear from you. Now, Matt, could you make a case for Caleb Williams? Is that QB ten? I haven't seen the guy in the NFL yet, and I've seen him, I've seen him I've seen him cry more about losses, and I've heard more about him crying about losses than I've seen him play snaps in the NFL yet. If I'm an NFL team, though, I feel like at least one of those teams picking that high would fall in love with that potential and take him over a coach. Sure, but again, and it goes back to the argument that I was trying to make too, where look, I understand that you know you can have a lot of quarterbacks with potential. I think that Justin Fields is a quarterback that has a ton of potential. I think Anthony Richardson is a is a quarterback with a ton of potential. But you got to have the right coaching staff around them in order to bring that out and in order to develop them. We've seen very talented quarterbacks, and I know we've we've seen quarterbacks with tons of potential, as we've been told when you know they were drafted here, that you know they come in with this high billing of potential and. We've also seen the head coach that said, trust me, that went ahead and uh, ruined said potential. So that that's the kind of counter-argument that I make to that, where, like, again, Caleb Williams has all the tools that everybody loves, but he has to land in the right situation. And, again, that's why I think if he goes to Chicago, I'm, I'm not too high on Caleb Williams next year. But let's go out to the phones again, 216-474-0092, number to call in. Let's go to uh, Lou in North Royalton. Lou, how you doing tonight? Hey, Mac, how you doing? I'm good, Lou. I'm good, Lou. What you got for me? Um, I think you might be a little crazy <laughs> um, in, <laughs> in the way you have that uh, ranking. Okay. Uh, I agree with Patrick Mahomes, obviously. Uh-huh. But, but you got Lamar Jackson at number two, and then you got Burrow down at six or seven. Okay, so let me let me just let me just say this. I'm not saying like in order. I'm saying these are just the quarterbacks that I would take before I would take the first head coach. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, if if, if it's would you take before the head coach, Lamar Jackson wouldn't be in my top nine or top fifteen at all because you get a new offensive coordinator, and he he, he he's not a quarterback. Okay, but that that's besides the point. I would go. Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Um, and then I would go Burrow. Okay. And then that's about those, those are about the two only two quarterbacks that I like. I would go uh, for, head coach would be Andy Reid. Um, and then I mean, does it have to be head coach and quarterback? Because I would fill out the rest of my roster. I would put. Um, because uh, you know Patrick Mahomes can win with the defense 
with the elite receivers or or not. So I'm building my defense. So the next person after Andy Reid, if I can, I'm taking Miles Garrett. And then after that, I'm taking a shutdown corner, a young shutdown corner, Patrick Sertan, whatever. And then the top, you know, top left offensive tackle. And I'm building my team that way. And then maybe I might throw Josh Allen in, you know. But it's one of the the, the two. I'm only going two quarterbacks. It's either Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow, just for the simple fact that Joe Burrow is 4-1 and against uh, Patrick Mahomes, three regular season wins. And he's one and one in the playoffs. He should be two and zero oh if it wasn't for Joe Osai last year, um, with that uh, you know uh, rough, uh, the personal foul uh-huh. uh, late hit on uh, Patrick Mahomes. Um, Blue. The the only thing that the only the only question that I have for you is that is that your like, the order that you would have them taking them in the first round because. Again, we're saying yeah. a draft here. We're saying a draft because I, I want to make sure that you're yeah. not saying like you'll get Miles Garrett in the fourth round. Because I don't think no, he's no, going to no, last no. that long. I mean, yeah, no, he's not going to last that long. I, I'm, I'm saying I'm taking um, – if, if I can get Patrick Mahomes, I'm taking Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Then I'm taking my uh, uh, coach, head okay. coach. Uh, uh, after that, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm filling out the rest of my team. Okay. Uh, there's no other quarterback because, you know, I mean, I can get anybody – uh, to be my backup to Patrick okay. Mahomes. All right. So uh, that's the way I'm doing it. All, all right, Lou. Well, hey, thank you for the call, man. Appreciate you listening. You have a good night now, all right? You too, Mac. Have a good one. Thank you. Thank you. Again, Lou calling in. Uh, number to call in, 216-474-0092. Uh, two quarterbacks? Just, just, just Mahomes and Burrow? I think Lou does raise an interesting point, though, strategically. If you think about it, Mac, like... There's only going to be 32 head coaches that are drafted in right. this entire draft. So theoretically, I mean, you could realistically get one of these top 32 available coaching candidates at any point in this draft. And then you can, I mean, there's a chance that they could very well be the biggest hit of all. Sure. But I would say this, and again, it comes into your, it comes into your strategy with it, where, you know, for me, I would... I look at, again, the nine quarterbacks I mentioned, you can listen back using the Odyssey app to listen back to what I said. Uh, But, you know, I think that if you take one of those nine guys, those guys have enough talent to where I can deal with a coach that maybe is anywhere between, let's say, 14 to 24. I'll go, I'll, I'll say that. Or 15 to 25, make it nice for you. 15 and 25. A coach in in that range, whereas if I get a if I get a head coach that is anywhere between in that top ten, I feel like I can go ahead and succeed with a Sean McVay, and then I can take a Kirk Cousins or something like that in round two, like somebody that might last a little bit longer, or I mean, hell, even a Baker, like one of those guys that's maybe not necessarily viewed as highly, but Again, I have a coach that I think can succeed and build around the talent that he has and actually really thrive in that kind of a role, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you're looking for, when when it comes to head coaches, who are you seeking? You're looking for someone who can start a culture, yeah. who can build a foundation of a strong locker room where guys are all, you know, what what do the Browns say? Tough, smart, accountable. Yeah. 
Uh, so it definitely seems like something important. And so, dra- like, you know, all theoreticals and whatnot. But right. uh, you definitely feel like it would be a lot safer to take a guy that you already know has established that sort of thing in the NFL. Exactly. Like, I'd, I'd much rather have Mike Tomlin than Jordan Love. Like, that's the, that's the way I look at it. Even Justin Fields. Again, extremely talented quarterback. I think has super high ceiling. But I'm taking Mike Tomlin to go ahead and, like you said, set that culture and really build that locker room out along with, you know, a, again, just to throw it out, even like a Tua. Like, Tua's still younger, but at the same time, I also, I don't trust that he'd be able to last with his concussions, and I also don't think he, I know people try to disprove it because, you know, Tyree Kill is on the team, but I'm sorry, I still don't trust the guy's arm. I don't. I don't. I don't care how many times that you throw against open air. I It's different when you have pads on and when you're actually getting blitzed by somebody like Miles Garrett. But, again, somebody like Anthony Richardson. Like, love Anthony Richardson. Love the potential. Love what, love all the tools that he has. I need to make sure that, they, that I have a coach that's able to take advantage of said tools. Again, if you want to go ahead and jump in on that conversation, 216-474-0092. You can tweet at me, at MacRobinson95. But I heard this this morning, on, and again, JP, in this morning with, with Ken on the morning show. And they had a D.D. Kinkabwala on. And she had this really interesting note in the interview that really caught my attention. And I think that it's starting, I think it's starting a movement here. Last week, there was a player I spoke to, I will not name names, who was talking about Jim Schwartz's defense and said, I want to go play in that. Whoa! I'm going to guess it's Hassan Reddick. That is not, I'm not revealing who the person is. Now, I think that speaks to a bigger point. And I know Nick talked about it a little bit earlier, too. You can listen back using the Rewind function in the Odyssey app. But I think that that speaks to the overall turning of the tide for the Cleveland Browns. Because one of the best things that that I, I, I know is perception is reality. And when it comes to the way that this team is viewed across the NFL. Obviously, there there was, you know, there there's the bottom, there's rock bottom. There's about 20 feet below that of toxic waste. And then be- below that was where the Browns were. And from all the different screw-ups that you had, different players that had to get brought in where you had to overpay players. I still think back to the Paul Kruger signing back in, you know, 2013, bringing him in. And, you know, Dwayne Bowe, obviously, Kenny Britt, so many different ones that got brought in where the team had to overpay just to get you in the door. Whereas now, you're getting these players coming in. And you have a player like Zadarius Smith, who is very vocal, is a player that is great in the locker room, likes to have fun, is a laid-back individual. And Shelby Harris, another one that you bring in, he was somebody who 
you know, again, played with Von Miller in the past, played with many talented defenders. And he even said, you know, playing alongside Miles Garrett, I've never seen a player like Miles. Deron Harmon brought in from New England midseason. He was somebody that was around those Patriots teams. He was he had an opportunity to go to the 49ers, to go to Kyle Shanahan. But said that he wanted to go to Cleveland because of the way that these players and the way that that locker room is. It's a different type of culture. And I know that's a buzzword that we say every year. You hear it in every coaching press conference. we got to build a culture, got to build a culture. What well, the culture, culture, culture. I feel like I'm getting choked by culture with the way that people use that as a buzzword. But they've actually built it up. Why? Because when you do it over and over and over and over again, it builds up credibility. And another player that we've talked about, Joe Flacco, you know, this was from a, almost a month ago on Pardon My Take. He had this to say about the Browns organization. You know, it's funny when you get to see a few different organizations and then you go to Cleveland and, you know, I don't think people really, you don't think you ever hear too many like, oh man, Cleveland's an awesome organization and man, they've done this well and done that well. But I can't say enough good things about how that organization is, is being run right now and, and the atmosphere and the building and the way that guys feel like their future's headed. So I think it would be a very special place to be if, if I have the opportunity to go back there. Yeah. And Joe Flacco, again, is that guy that came up in the Baltimore Ravens organization. It's not like he knows just complete crap shows. It's not like he's only been around terrible, awful teams. That was only the end of his career. You know, being around the Denver Broncos when, you know, John Elway was still coasting off a single Super Bowl with Peyton Manning. And, you know, being with the Jets. I don't need to say anything else. It's the Jets. But being around those two organizations compared to Baltimore, Baltimore is the standard. Every single year, they're a team that, you know, by comparison, again, seeing the two different organizations, the Browns were looked at where your career goes to die. Meanwhile, the Ravens, you're all of a sudden looked at as if you if they have any interest in you, all of a sudden other teams are going, well, what do they see? What am I missing? The Browns are turning that around. Slowly but surely, by those veterans, by having that perception out there. Now, obviously, there's going to be, you know, others that, and nationally, they might not necessarily buy in as much, but that's where the perception slowly turns. And that's why when you have somebody like Joe Flacco speaking up and players across the league taking notice, that is the game changer. Coming up next, we're going to dive into that more. Of course, your call is 216-474-0092. Mac Robinson in for Jonathan Peterlin on overtime here on 92.3 The Fan. And the fact that the perception of the Cleveland Browns is slowly swaying. Again, 216-474-0092, number to jump in. But in terms of where the Cleveland Browns are at, I think that this is a situation where and this is really something that has evolved because I know Ken got into it earlier in the week, but I feel like Browns fans and the expectations around this team have taken a next step because 
Ken earlier in the week had done the reactionary move that I think a lot of us would have done. It would have done if this were seven years ago. I know actually a good amount of people that were calling for this seven years ago, but now you have you are calling for players because they're talented, and you have players that want to come to Cleveland. Seven years ago, you were overpaying players to come to Cleveland. And you were looking at drafting somebody or bringing somebody in like a Mitch Trubisky because they're from Cleveland. Now we're actually looking at talented players around here. And not even, and to briefly mention it, Ken was talking about bringing in Mitch Trubisky as a backup and then pivoted. It's a third third string. Emergency QB. Emergency QB. Not the backup. Not the backup. As soon as he started getting some backlash from that. But that's fine. Again, I think Trubisky is somebody that is from here. I think he had some flashes. Some. I'll give him that. Uh, no, no, I'm not even going to give him that much credit. Um, for somebody that, again, only played 12 games in college and got overdrafted because he can run a little bit, again, flamed out with the Pittsburgh Steelers and is now looking for his fourth team in the NFL. I, For the record, no interest in Mitch Trubisky. I think the only interest that I have Mitch Trubisky in in Cleveland is potentially being working in a hedge fund. Or doing selling cars. I don't know. Whatever, do whatever you want, Mitch. Just don't do it on the football field. Unless it's Turkey Bowl, maybe. I don't know. But we're at a we're at a point now with the Cleveland Browns where the perception of the team around the league is you know, I think I can actually revitalize my career here. Because Shelby Harris was a guy that was available up until the second week of training camp. Comes in after an injury. All of a sudden now, he's somebody that didn't even have to start. And he was able to really work in and get some good snaps. Jordan Elliott, player that had been on the Browns for three years, talked about before the season, thinking about leaving the game and retiring just because it wasn't working for him. He wasn't playing well. He hadn't reached his potential as a third-round pick. All of a sudden this year, he's making flash plays. Alex Wright, in his second year, he all of a sudden is starting to make more plays. Sione Takitaki, you know, had really started to develop last year before the injury. All of a sudden, he comes back this year, is a force for you in the middle of your defense, even when Anthony Walker goes down. You had players believing in themselves and believing in taking that next step. I look at the way that this team has changed the perception around them, and turn that tide. And I think that that is something that is fascinating to see how this develops. Because, again, going from a team that was known as a bottom feeder to being known around the league as play, and, and again, this isn't media, this isn't speculation to try to go ahead and bump up somebody's contract numbers, it's, Hey, you know what? I think I kind of like Cleveland, the setup that they got there. Jim Schwartz, good dude. Jim Schwartz, tough guy. 
He bring he gets the most out of his players. Look at what happened with Javon Hargrave before he went to before he went to Philly. All of a sudden he goes to Philly and now he's so he went to San Francisco on a massive contract. But that's just one that's just one position. Again, Martin Emerson Jr., MJ, took that next step this year in that secondary because of the pass rush that you had. You had all these players buying in, good vibes. Greg Newsom, he's dancing around on the sideline. Denzel Ward, when he's on the field, he is locked in and he is playing so well. Playing at that Pro Bowl level. JOK, best season of his career and easily looked like the player that everybody was hoping he would be when he came out of when he came out of Notre Dame a few years ago. That's what you're seeing from this. Now, while you might not have a Super Bowl, what you have is you have results in terms of players reaching that next step, players taking that next step. And on top of that, you also are starting to see players that come together. What do we hear about at the end of, of the 2022 season? Jadevian Clowney was throwing Miles Garrett under the bus. He wasn't happy. The defense couldn't stop a nosebleed that if it was running up the middle. Players were separated where it was the offense with the or just a few years ago, offense with the offense, defense with the defense. They they never intermingled. Now everybody's having a good time, good vibes all around, and when you start to see the success and see those players reach that next step, Miles Garrett getting that Defensive Player of the Year award, Jim Schwartz getting the Assistant Coach of the Year award. And then Kevin Stefanski obviously winning coach of the year. You start to see that go throughout the NFL players. You start to see that spread among the players. And all of a sudden, once that once that starts to turn a little bit, once you start to see other players come, come in and take that next step, next year is going to be a massive step for the Cleveland Browns organization because if they're able to continue the success – but not just success in terms of playoff success and going farther in terms of that as well, but also in terms of player success. All of a sudden now you're going to become a hotbed for players to come in and think, you know what, I might be in the last few years of my career, but you know what, I might be able to revitalize with the Cleveland Browns. I might be able to come in and I might be able to work out with some of these guys. And that's what's so exciting for me is in seeing how this this group overall has come together and in seeing how as an organization, not just the players, as an organization, the group of people and the group of players that not only Andrew Barry is able to bring in, but the caliber of players that you're able to bring in and get the most out of and actually succeed with. I'm thoroughly impressed with how well these guys have been able to work together. 
And that's where I look at some of these different positions. You know, I mentioned defensive line. I think that it's going to be fascinating to see who do you bring in. You know, last year you brought in somebody in terms of Dalvin Tomlinson, who, again, great against the run, was able to work well and really pressure the passer quite a bit, collapse the pocket a bit. Who else are you going to bring in? When you have these players and you have that talk generating, I think that you're able to take that next step. You're able to start to bring in that extra talent. Do I think it's going to be some massive, incredible move? Maybe. I actually, I'm going to get into some of that a little bit next segment, but what I think it does is it changes your place in the hierarchy. And I think that as fans, I think that we need to change our mindset. Because once you start to have that that change and you start to see that sway towards the Browns and towards the organization where, hey, you know what? They know what they're doing. They have the best they they have your best interests in mind. We're gonna put you in the best place so that you look as good as you possibly can. Look at Obo Okoronkwo. Comes in last year, three years, eighteen million bucks. Comes in to be your third pass rusher, and what does he do? Absolutely succeeds. Blows it out of the water. Does a fantastic job. So you get him in the mix, and all of a sudden you're really cooking with gas. And that's what I'm most excited about. Is not only do you have the bigger contracts that you can sign, but those other players, those younger players that are right on the cusp of reaching that next level, those players, those are the ones that can take you to the top. And those players are going to be the ones that are most impactful when you go ahead and you hear, you know what? I've been hearing good things about the Cleveland Browns organization. Did you hear what Joe Flacco was saying about it? Did you hear? I mean, Shelby Harris loved it. I mean, the I, I used to play with this guy. He said it was a fantastic locker room. Deron Harmon. He was with New England. All of a sudden says that they have one of the best locker rooms that he's been around. That kind of word of mouth going around, almost like a cult classic. There are certain movies that might not necessarily do well in the box office, but all of a sudden over time, when the word of mouth starts getting around, it starts to pick up more. And starts to generate more and more interest. Once that word of mouth starts going around, all of a sudden then, now you start to have that interest. Now you go ahead and you start to see more people going to check it out. Well, you know what? I heard a lot of good things about this. You know what? Maybe I should go and see it. You know what? I've heard a lot of good things about the Cleveland Browns. You know what? I think I got to check them out. Again, you guys can tweet at me at Matt Robinson 95 number to call in 216-474-0092. Coming up next, got a couple of splashes in mind. And no, I'm not talking about the Cavs game. Next, the 923 The Fan.